Welcome to Ministry in Motion, where we explore best practices for your ministry in the 21st century. Whether you're a pastor or a lay leader in your local church, God wants you to be a great Christian leader. Our topic today, vitally important, ministering to high-risk youth. Perhaps some principles that could affect uh, ministering to any high-risk person. Our guest is Mario Broussard. Mario, it's great to have you as our guest today. And you are no stranger to many because you're very active in a ministry on the Hope Channel with Hope Sabbath School. But uh, share with me, we're talking about high-risk youth. Um, Let's start with your own journey and how you got to the place of ministering to to young people as you are today. Uh, Thank you. You know, I would say that I, in so many ways, were an at-risk youth, or I could have been. Um, I had all the, the trappings for it. In, in other words, um, I had a single mother, uh, grew up. My mother worked three jobs. Um, I'm a minority by, you know, and some, when you look at some of the statistics, uh, I fit right in there. Uh, I grew up in a neighborhood that wasn't as... Uh, pleasant to be in, you know, and, and had some high crime around me, but, uh, but God, but grace. <laughs> and so uh, it, it just really spurred me on and gave me the tools I needed now that I look back on it to be able to minister to others who were in my situation or worse. Now, it's interesting how God has led you. Yeah. Because you said, but God, right? Yes. So God intervened. Uh, you didn't go down a destructive path. Mm-hmm. Um, How has God led you in ministry to the place where now you're ministering almost exclusively, at least in your full-time assignment, Mm -hmm. to to, uh, high-risk young people? Well, it it started off primarily just uh, with opportunities to work with young people. So my, uh, my mother, she worked in the school system for developmentally disabled individuals, um, severe mental retardation. Uh, and I grew up in that atmosphere, volunteering, okay. uh, and then eventually employed. And I would say that 10 years of my life I spent working in the summers with that population. Wow. So it started off with just young people, period. And, then, and you were a young person yourself. <laughs> I sure was, yeah. And, and, and then I, I ended up doing things like being counselors for summer camps, mm. and, you know, and then ended up, um, you know, volunteering my time. I even worked at a nursery in college uh, for a, a small church that they they would sit in their service and I would watch their children. So this is not a plant nursery, but a children's nursery. Correct, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, yes. no, no, it's nursery both ways. But So you were caring for little ones. Yes, uh, just incredible as I'm sitting here recounting this to you. Uh, God was positioning me for that. And then uh, eventually after college, I ended up taking a couple years and I deaned at an academy. Okay. Um, so I was the assistant dean for a couple of years. So this is like a dormitory where you're, you're not really a parent to the students, but you are a mentor and a friend and yeah, confidant, yeah. counselor. Yes, you, you, it, you're right. I mean, but you almost are their parent. They see you more than they see their own parents. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yes, but very much a mentorship, a counselor type deal. And then um, from there, I decided, hey, I need to get a master's degree. And, and, and not to mention that all this while I'm ministering in church capacities as well. So I spoke for the Just Claim It conference, the, you know, big youth conferences and rallies. 
And uh, so this has kind of been my journey for the last 15 years or more. And before you went to graduate school, and there you're taking a master's in social work. Correct. And you're going to end up focusing on ministering to high-risk youth. Mm -hmm. were, you, were you bumping into high-risk youth on that journey of in oh, different settings, different places? Most certainly. One of the jobs in between after I graduated from college, after I was the dean, I worked at a elementary school. It was a charter school. And basically this charter school took every student that got kicked out of a public school institution oh because of their behavior. So that's, that's, that's like an at-risk constituency, right? Yes. The whole group. Oh, yes. So, you know, I've, I've been spit on by children, mm. um, hit, you know, um, cursed at, I mean, mm. fourth graders, you know. So that was kind of the population oh. for a couple years that I worked with. And I had success in that realm. But I'm just, but at that point, I didn't really get that maybe that was a calling of mine until later on when I decided to, be, uh, I got a job as the chaplain of, uh, of an, another academy, Christian Academy. And then that's when God really started showing me, uh, I've got some things for you to do. So here you are, you've seen the need. Mm -hmm. You've seen how God has spared you and directed you. Yes. You've been saturated in ministry to children and young people of all ages, mm -hmm. but now you're going to go and, and sharpen your skills. Yes. How, how did your graduate training help you with that uh, sharpening? So, oh, uh, so my master's was in uh, social work. The emphasis was in the clinical social work. Um, uh, I, my internship that was required for two years, I was doing some of the clinical work to get the hours. The population was specifically at-risk youth. Okay. Um, and, and even adults, um, older adults that just from uh, communities that, disadvantaged communities. And so after I was finished, I had those two years to do the internship, I said, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, one of the things. Wow. And so that has just, it's give, it gives you patience, you know, it, it um, it causes you to do some introspection and to look at where you've come from and the tools that you've gained and how you can help those individuals that are going currently currently going through it. So Now you're you're actively involved in a local church? Yes. Uh, helping young adults? Yes. You're also volunteering in a interactive Bible study that's shown around the world. So you're not exclusively working, but your main focus is at-risk or high-risk youth. Yeah. Uh, after the break, I want to talk to you about lessons that you've learned uh, and, and some challenges that you've faced because I'm guessing it's not been a, a bump-free journey. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah. We're glad you joined us for Ministry of Motion today. You may be thinking of someone right now in your church, in your youth group. You say, Derek, someone in my home who's at risk. And we want to talk about ministering to high-risk young people. Why? Because Jesus loves them and he wants his love to pour through us to bless their lives. We'll talk about some of the challenges, opportunities, and lessons that Mario has learned in a very special ministry to which God has called him. And then we'll learn how we can apply that in our own ministry context. We're glad you're with us for Ministry in Motion today. We'll be right back after the break. <laughs> Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today, ministering to high-risk youth. Uh, 
people who are at risk because of experiences or settings in which they found themselves. And our guest is Mario Broussard. Mario, here God has led you, and I'm, I'm impressed at how you've been involved in ministry to children of all ages, mm -hmm. but now God led you through your graduate training to a special concentration on at-risk mm -hmm. young people. Mm -hmm. uh, so tell me what a typical day looks like, and then we'll talk about some of the challenges and opportunities, lessons that would help pastors and, and lay leaders. Sure, so uh, number one, the, the typical day is not me in a suit. Okay. And if I, you know, <laughs> and maybe in another setting, I would have had on um, more so sweatpants. Okay. Or, or depending on the climate or shorts or in a t-shirt because my population uh, is one of that. That's pretty much the culture that they live in. And okay. so it's kind of like if I come in with a suit, it's kind of like, are you coming? Am I in trouble? Right. Am I, you know, and so I Are you really, my probation officer? Right, right. <laughs> and so, you know, it's kind of like, I, I need to make sure that I'm meeting them where they're at. Mm. And uh, th that's- Is there the, a lesson right there? Th I there mean, is. Something that we need to start with is, is as far as possible, removing any yes, barriers. known barriers. Yes, yes. And that, I mean, when I think about Jesus, that's what he did, didn't he? You know, he came down here as one of us. Yes. And, uh, and so I start there. And so uh, my, the social work field of clinical practice is much different from the psychology um, approach. Okay. So our field says meet them where they're at. Not that psychology doesn't, but it's more um, incarnate. It's there, right there in their homes. Right. So I might meet them at school. I might meet my client at at home, or I might meet them at the basketball court. Um, and, and basically you have to, because the population that I serve, they're not very much into what the service I'm giving them or, or offering them, you kind of have to warm them up. Right, so you're Sh building, building a bridge, yeah, rapport. Right, um, you know. We should show. be writing all of these lessons down, right? Right, right. Because this is all part of what Jesus did. Right, so you know, I may play basketball with them, shoot around for five or 10 minutes, and then we'll sit down for another 30 or 40, and, but, but they know that I can relate to them. Uh, by the way, when you're playing basketball, they know who you are, right? They know that I'm their therapist. Okay. And they may call me as we build rapport. Can we go to the park today? Or, wow. or can we, you know, can we play video games today? You know, and, it, and <laughs> of course that doesn't sound very therapeutic, right. but I've, I've gotten almost entire life stories from children by sitting down and playing a video game with them. Wow. And they begin to tell me about what their week has been like and what their life has been like and what parent has, you know, harmed them or whatever the case is. Mm, just yeah. in a, some kind of recreational activity. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's actually called play therapy. Now okay. for a different age group, you usually apply play therapy, but I'm noticing that every group of young people have some activity that they like to do that really opens up mm. um, this and builds rapport between us for us to really get some meaningful work done. Now, you mentioned when you were with this uh, at-risk school group, uh -huh. you had fourth graders spit at you or yes. people try to hit you. Mm -hmm. um, do you have that kind of confrontation uh, even in your in your work, is that something that you should expect? Uh, oh yes, most certainly. Um, 
that it, it comes from and handling it comes from understanding where they've come from mm. and where they've been and what they've gone through. Because uh, I had an instance, uh, for instance, a, a young male about 17 years old and um, he got upset with me one day because you know, he didn't want to see me because he didn't want to talk about whatever it was that he was going through. Now, I knew I found that out later, but I didn't know that coming in. Okay. And this young man looked like a grown man. Mm. And so it's like it's almost like two adults in this confrontation, but he does not have the keys right. to to sort that out. So he was ready to attack me. And you picked up on that. that that's <laughs> that's where it all comes from. I think that's the calling. I mean, that's. That, that's what the gift that I believe God has given me to be able to say, you're not really that upset at me. You're upset because your mother told you that your father passed away or, or whatever the case is. And so you're taking it out on me. But if I hang in there long enough, mm. I can maybe crack that, that hard shell and we can really get some meaningful work. So let's talk, someone's watching, pastor, lay leader, mm -hmm. um, they're going into an interaction with this at-risk person. Yes. Um, personal preparation, you need spiritual protection, it sounds M like. Most certainly prayer, discernment, and that prayer gives Pray you. for that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, that prayer gives you the Holy Spirit, I truly believe, before I go into all of my sessions in the individual's home, I say a little prayer before I get out of the car. Lord, I don't know what this child needs today. I knew what they needed last week, right. but this week may be completely different. Right. So please give me the discernment to be able to see past what is presented to me immediately so that we can get down to what they really need to, to address. So I would say to a pastor and, and I, or a lay leader in the church, I would say, first off, do not assume that your congregation is not going through the same thing mm. that I face in some of the more disadvantaged neighborhoods today because uh, regardless of your income, the devil is busy. Yes. And families he, are under attack. Family, period. Families are under attack. And, it, and there's no respect to income level, uh, racial, or, my, you know, makeup, whatever. Um, I would say do not assume that everything is okay in your uh, congregation. And a good pastor, a, a pastor who's been there would know that. Right. But... Um, if I may just share with you an uh, a situation that sure. just happened within yes. the church. Yes. I had a former student of mine who I also pastored give me a call not too long ago. And he said, listen, I need to talk to somebody about what I've been through. Wow. And he said, it was between you and someone else. And I realized that I had your number that you gave me from two years mm. ago. So the fact that he felt comfortable to be able to get on the phone and call you. Yes. Some bridge had been built there. Yes, yes. And now this, this is a, a Christian young man, mm -hmm. uh, at least by profession. When I get on the phone, because of his anger, he's cursing. Mm. He's using profanity. Mm. And, and I'm not necessarily feeling inclined to ask him to stop. <laughs> but I'm meeting him where he's at. And he finally said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Pastor. Uh, you know, he called me, I'm sorry, Pastor. I, 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 I'll fix my mouth. But I said, <laughs> I said, well, thank you. You know, but I'm not the one initiating that. Right. I'm allowing right. him to be in this moment present. because he needs to get this out. After the break, I want to hear the rest of the sure. story. And then I want to talk about how churches can be caring communities for high-risk young people. Our topic today, ministering to high-risk young people, people at risk because of things maybe totally out of their control, how we can minister the love of Jesus. We'll be right back with more Ministry in Motion right after the break.
Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today, ministering to high-risk youth. Uh, people who are, well, they're at risk because of things happening inside and around them. Our guest is Mario Broussard. Mario, you've got a phone call now. You mm -hmm. gave a phone number to a young person two years before, mm -hmm. and, and he's calling you. He's calling me, and uh, he, he's saying... Uh, I was his chaplain when I was at the academy, so he calls me chaplain. He said, hey, chap, I just really needed to talk. And uh, I said, well, it's good to hear from you, you know, what's going on. Now, I want to make an emphasis. This young man was, is in the church. Okay, so he's a Christian young man. He's a man. Christian young man. So, yep. And he's telling me this story. He's now 20 years old, but he's telling me this story of how from nine years old, he had got involved in drugs, and selling drugs mm. and uh, narcotics, I mean, hard drugs, you know, heroin, cocaine, these types of things, mm. and how his parents didn't have much time for him. And his only source of support was his, were his grandparents who have now passed away. Mm. But they gave him that little, that Christian foundation. And then he's, you know, so he's talking to me and he's saying, listen, everyone I've ever known has left me. Mm. And these are the things that I've gone through, and I've never told anyone this except for you today. What do you think impressed him to make that phone call? He said to me later in the conversation, because I never really asked him that question, but he said to me, I know you understand me. Mm. And it's interesting because I've had a lot of contact with him, but not so, not in, to my thoughts, it wasn't as meaningful as it was to him, right. but it made him feel comfortable to talk to me about literally everything and anything, some things that he had not even talked to his own parents about. And so... Uh, so what do we do at that point? Pastor, lay leader, here's a at-risk young person, just share their heart. They've mm -hmm. obviously trusted you right. as a person who won't hurt them. Mm -hmm. uh, what do we do now? What did you do? So next steps are to really identify what their needs are and what you feel they could benefit from. So, so he would most certainly benefit from some type of therapy because he, he's never been able to reconcile the issues that he has gone through in his life in those 20 years. Mm. And then on top of that, the next thing to do is to, to help him find or link him up to a community of people. Uh, now, he is in the church. Uh, however, uh, he may not be linked to a community of people that can really just build him up mm -hmm. and, and surround him with other young people who may have been or may not have been where he is at or has gone through, but are positive and, and connecting him to activities so that he's not alone and so that he starts to build some type of community. So you're thinking about that, you're processing that while you're listening on yes, the phone. Yes, most certainly. Um, at every milestone, especially as a clinician, you know, those are, I look for those, those checkpoints. Um, what sure. type of therapy could he benefit from? Could he benefit from therapy? Is that a realistic uh, possibility at this juncture in his life, given his socioeconomic status, you know, availability to resources, those types of things. But ultimately, you know, that's what the church is for, I believe, is, is we are, uh, it's a community of individuals. Um, you know, Paul said, at one point, this was you, you know, yes. in, in 1 Corinthians 6, you know. Right. Now you're Such were some of you. Right, you know. Right. Now, he had a list of other things, but, but the principle is you there. You were at risk, too. You are at risk, too. Mm. And that's important to understand. Wow. And so that, 
you know, connecting him to the proper people or just offering him mentorship, saying, hey, you can call me anytime. I might not be able to answer all the time, mm. but if you can send me a text message or if you can leave me a voicemail, I'll do my best to get back with you. And that's the, that's the biggest part right there. Now, it? I've got a couple of questions jumping up in yeah. my mind here, probably sure. some of our viewers, too. Mm -hmm. What if, as the person is sharing, they've trusted you? That's awesome. Mm -hmm. They've seen that you care, mm -hmm. uh, even maybe by the way you're dressed or the way you're interacting, spending time with them. Mm -hmm. What if they share something and you go, this is out of my depth. I don't have the tools that someone like Mario has. What do I do then? Is that okay to tell them that? Whoa, this is out of my depth. It, it sure is. That is the best thing to do. Um, be honest. To be honest. <laughs> and, 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 because, and you'll still have that rapport there. I really okay. want to be intentional about saying that. You will maintain that rapport. Uh, human beings understand that human beings don't have all the answers. But they also understand that we can find who does. Okay. And so uh, I think it is very important for you to come to that understanding that, hey, this is out of my range. Because you'd be surprised. There are a lot of individuals who, act, who feel like they can take it on. But, but they're, they're not equipped. No, no, yep. no. And here's another question then. Um, if we know when we need to say, uh, I need to get you in touch with my friend Mario or Susan, someone who's trained. Um, can I, though, could you, for example, go to a, a local church, mm -hmm. maybe put on a, a simple seminar that could help peers to recognize at-risk behavior, to offer some initial support, to maybe avert going down a dangerous road? Are there some basic things we could learn? Base, uh, most certainly. Um you want to make sure that the person doing the seminar is qualified to do the right, seminar. Right, right. Think of someone like you that could come sure, in and do something. Sure, most certainly. I believe uh, what it would do is just first off give awareness to the church. Many times in churches, uh, we feel like we're coming into church and everyone looks like they have it all together. Wow, that's right. But, but just putting on a seminar that brings awareness, it would be great. And then to give some simple tools so that congregational members know when to refer, yes. you know, when it's out of your hands, right. um, when to keep things confidential, and when to tell. So to give an example, I tell all of my clients, listen, we can talk about anything, but when you say something that will either harm, harm yourself or others, I've got to report it to other authorities. Right. And so that is the qualification of when something should be um, confidential or not. So yeah, that, uh, most certainly seminars, ju just to bring awareness and give some basic tools would be awesome. You know, as we're wrapping up today, I want to ask, how has being involved in this ministry to at-risk young people, how has it impacted your life? Uh, number one, it has strengthened my faith. Okay. It has strengthened my prayer life, okay. uh, necessarily so, because I, I could not imagine going into to providing these services without being connected to God and without allowing the Holy Spirit to, to guide me. Um, lastly, I'll share uh, an instance. Um, it has also been, uh, when I say that it strengthens my faith, I was in session with a young male, and he was a uh, Muslim, and as the sessions progressed, he said to me one day, he said, how is it that you're a Christian? Because he could tell, I didn't tell him, and I'm a Muslim. He said, but you're able to help me the way you are. So that's the love of Jesus coming through. That's it. We'll have to have you come back. Yeah. I'm glad that you were with us because God can help us reach out to at-risk young people. Let the love of God flow through us. Let's pray we can make a difference. God bless you as you do ministry in Jesus' name.